because you're jumping back into the gut. Hey coach, welcome to the Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Oliver. I appreciate you joining us for this week's podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit basketballimmersion.com for more coaching resources and access to all the basketball podcasts. I hope you will give us a shout out on social media, on Twitter at Bball Immersion, or on Instagram at Basketball Immersion to help me continue to share the game. Enjoy the episode. Awesome to welcome the shooting guy, Rob Fodor, to the Basketball Podcast. Rob is the longtime shooting coach of the Miami Heat. Formerly, he was the coach for the Seattle Storm of the WNBA and the head coach of the Florida Pitbulls of the ABA. He has played college and professional basketball both in the U.S. and abroad. During his years with Miami Heat, the team has set numerous individual and team shooting career highs, both on a percentage and volume basis. Rob, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Chris. It's uh, it's great to be here. It's been a, it's been too long for us to be face to face again. It has been Figured too long. Course, yeah, it has been too yeah. long, and a lot of reasons for yeah. that. But uh, yeah. you know, Rob, when I when I presented to the Miami Heat and had a chance to share some of my ideas with with you and with the coaching staff. It was definitely clear right after that we connected on not just the technique or the tactics, but the concept around how to teach. And I know you've been sitting with a lot of these ideas for a long time, but maybe just shape that with us, why you've always thought a little bit differently about the process of how we teach the game. Well, and that's a very true point, Chris. I think um, besides the fact that we grew up right across the river from each other, where you were coaching and where I grew up, uh, it was a it was a lot of fun to kind of put a different um, a different text for the rest of our guys on things that we had been going down the path of. Um, like we said, I, I was really big into how the mind works first, how the body works, and to kind of go back one more piece is I've always been <laughs> when I when I travel and do lectures, one of the first things that I start with. It sounds a little facetious, but I said, guys, I'm not here to be controversial, but basketball's always been taught wrong. <laughs> and then, of course, you know, the response guys will look at each other. And I said, well, bear with me for a second and let me go through the science of what I mean. So I actually went back to the very beginning of how we how as players and kids, we started learning to play ball, you know a kid or player would say mom dad coach i want to play basketball and of course being a good mom dad or coach what do they do they get a ball and they hand it to the kid and now you've got a problem because the first thing we ever did was we bent over and we're facing the floor and we started smacking the ball down on the ground and then this the very first cool thing we did was the dreaded step over between the legs move <laughs> and what happens there is We've just taught ourselves probably the worst thing that we could teach ourselves, and that was to move the body around the basketball. So we, in order, when I started going down my path, I started talking about rewiring how our body was going to work and teaching, you know, treating the ball as an element, um, as an implement, and we would get our body to work one way, our mind to work one way, and then attach the implement, like most other sports are taught. Okay. So in basketball, where, you know, where you and I kind of came together is just the whole idea of how the brain works. One of the questions that I used to get all the time is say, coach, uh, 
with regard to shooting, we have guys that shoot it like this in practice when they're shooting drills and, da, 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 and they say, well, why isn't, you know, why do they struggle so much uh, more in a game? And it's funny because again, they're taking a very simple approach is, well, the defense is there and they're more tired and yada, yada. Well, half the time it's much greater than that in that now you have, especially at our level in the NBA, you have guys catching the ball that just got it from a superstar and they're thinking, should I take this shot? And do I belong on this floor? Do I, is this the right time for this shot? They're thinking time and scoring situation. Is this guy that's closing me out going to get here? And, and, or should I hit this guy on the next action, et cetera, et cetera. And it starts to stack up. So like what you were doing to start breaking up, um, you know, give them an either or, or an either or, or, you know, we used to do the same thing and give them multiple, multiple actions. We used to give them like hand signals uh, like you were doing in BDT. And then I would ask questions uh, that they would have to answer in a foreign language that they didn't speak. So I was trying to speed the brains up, get that brain to move ahead of the game. And that's actually how the game slows down. As you know, people don't start running slower. <laughs> Just it's the matrix and you and your brain is able to start processing things quickly enough where your decisions are made much more quickly. And now you become now you achieve clarity. Yes, this is a good shot. Shot goes up, you know. To, to, to connect this for people, basically you're saying is that we teach shooting in isolation and then we expect them to be able to do it in the game. But the problem is every shot in the game is preceded by a decision. So that complicates the whole isolated training of shooting. And I want to give you a quick example. I'm coaching really unskilled players that have never really played or been taught shooting before. And I'm not even worrying about shooting outside of, I know you're big on this, just lifting the ball <laughs> and such a simple part of it yeah. but what i'm more important more importantly trying to coach is their decision to shoot because yeah. i think the thing that frees them up is knowing hey i should shoot when i'm open and what is right. open <laughs> yeah yeah and and you know it, and you know as the game gets more layered the decisions are if i'm running to a ball and i'm just getting a shot like we do in practice everybody sprints and you catch it and you fire it and all you're doing is dealing with that clarity is it makes like if you look at the percentages of really good players with two or three seconds left on the shot clock, you know, taking away the the uh, the, the rest from the defense because they're there. But if you have an open shot where the ball gets swung and it's two seconds left in the shot clock, that guy has clarity. There's no thought process. And now they become the practice shooter that they most of the time are, you know? So um, when you get your mind free and, and your decisions are over uh, and there's only one to make, things get easier. So, you know, when we start to drill, like you're saying, when you get people running from one place to the next, our guys have to go through, what route am I gonna take? What is the defense doing? Are they switching this through this? What kind of coverage are they, are they you know, rear view contest, are they, are they bullying me through? Are they pushing me down to the baseline or whatever the case may be? How am I now going to get free? Here comes the, what angle of the screen is coming. Now I have to be able to, am I catching it with my inside hand, my outside hand? Is it going to be a great pass, et cetera, et cetera. So when you start to stack them, if people don't go the, through the reality of it, it's obvious what the challenge is. 
So let's go even a little bit further back then and talk to me about the importance of variability within shooting. Because hearing you talk about it, I feel the exact same way. Coaches impose their predetermined belief of what shooting is, and it often went against my body. And I know this happens to players all the time. Your biomechanics, your natural flow of your body, kinetic chain, whatever you want to talk about. But our predetermined belief affects a player more than anything, as opposed to this ecological approach of letting them flow within their body. Yeah, it's, I agree. I think people get, you think about the different kinds of coaches when you have your team, you have system coaches or personnel coaches. Okay. And within the, you find system coaches get seemingly a little bit more programmed in how they want to do everything. You know, my favorite, I, I would get that at lectures all the time. Coach, should I jump stop or should I one two? And I said, well, I teach five completely different kinds of jump stops. Yeah. And, and then to the variability of it, that there's exactly. not one perfect thing, is there? Exactly. Well, I call it situational fundamentals, Chris. So when, so when guys are faced with certain things, like I, we put our guys through the absolute rigors that, you know, most people have a hard time even thinking of to practice. And we've got, we, we go through all of it outside hand passes, spinaways, and now you're now they're chasing you from behind, they're chasing you from the front, they're right on the side, they're on your left hand, they're on your right hand, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, we work on different raises, right? One raise comes up connected. One raise, you have to stick out to your right, one's out to the left, one's a one hand to two hand catch, one's pulling it in with one hand, one's both hands catching it, catching it with your feet, et cetera, et cetera. So, layers wise it gets pretty complex obviously and our guys you know and and basketball players at any level have to do it relative to what they're doing at the fastest possible uh, speed so um, if you're talking about variability are you getting pushed are you getting held are you running free are you running to your right are you running to your left I can go through and talk about every single degree of angle running towards the ball uh, that's available, you know, and a lot of guys, you know, a lot of times you get stuck just running directly to the ball. Well, gosh, that's a rare thing. You know, like if I have somebody underneath the basket, I drill running directly at me at the top of the key. And then I drill coming off of, you know, every possible angle. Cause that's what they're going to do. Are you setting a screen? Are you slipping? Are somebody grabbing you while you're setting the screen? Cause they're switching on and on we go, you know? So to be able to, deal with all the variabilities we as teachers i think it's really important to be able to consider (laughs) consider your own brain and open it up to what other things are going to be possible what things are my players struggling with how do i create a situation for them what are they good at so we can strengthen that you always want to fortify your strengths people always want to talk about your weaknesses but like the nba game is about strengths you know, very rarely are guys going to their weaknesses. You know, defenses are always trying to force you to your weakness, but the reason it is a strength is because you can decide and you can go get it. That's a, and those are all skills. So really is a, it's a fascinating thing and it's entertaining to be able to problem solve. Like I'm a, I'm a puzzle guy. I like solving puzzles, you know, me too, me too. And, uh, For coaches that want to research this a little bit, the sciencey part of this is that it's called de- degrees of freedom. And basically it represents there's many possible ways to achieve a performer's goal in terms of a movement pattern. And yeah. for 
example, if we're talking about the elbow, you know, there's six different muscles that move around the elbow. So think about the variability just within that. So knowing the complexity of the problem, let's go reverse engineer it for us and simplify it. Where do we start? Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, because I I hear people trying to talk down that road, like Mm -hmm. here are all the muscles and here are all the joints and here are all the, I said, this has nothing to do with what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Their bodies work automatic pilot. Okay. Your elbows, you have certain players' elbows are going to work the way that they work. You know, can you train it slightly differently? Sure, you can you can open up the the width of your fingers. You can add a little bit more wrist flex or something like that. But the it's still going to work for the player the way it's always worked. Okay. So they're not going to be dealing with the things. For example, Chris, I go through when I do lectures, I kind of explain how this this program that I use, I went and devised biomechanics, kinesiology, anatomy and physiology. I, I mean, I've even gotten into, you know, the whole psychology, parasympathetic nervous system, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So the way and the way I say it to coaches is it's a very complex way to get to something that must be simple mm-hmm. because. I'll say it like this too. I mean, you and I can have a very detailed technical conversation. How's that doing with your player? Because one of the points I would say to coaches, if you're going to, if you want to be complex, be complex in your ability to communicate a thought simply. So I'll go, I think you have to speak 50 different languages to say the very same thing. You have artists, scientists, mechanics, (laughs) People that are drill guys, people that are field guys, people that are visual learners, et cetera, et cetera. And these start to stack up. So you have to be able to say the thing that those guys connect to. So when I say to coaches, I said, okay, everybody ready? Explain or shooting in one sentence. Now, some people start looking at each other and I said, okay, everybody got an idea? Great. Now make that sentence five words or less. I know the answer because I've heard you say it, but let's right. give coaches a chance to think on that. So pause yeah. and think on it, coaches. Yeah. So we'll just we'll just leave that out there. We can answer that later. Um, but it's it's one of my favorite it's one of my favorite quotes. I can't remember if it's Winston Churchill or Mark Twain that said, "Please apologize for the length of the letter that I wrote you. I didn't have time to write a short one." <laughs> and I think a lot of times we a lot of times we get stuck. It, it, I. You've done it because you, you're very observant. I've done it because I'm teaching, but then I'm watching people teach because I'm trying to help them get better as teachers, as well as I need to solve the problem of the player. And my goodness, people just talk themselves right out of accomplishing something, you know, because they're not sure and they haven't practiced. You know, one of the things I say to coaches, and, and if you're going to go do a lecture, you should practice. You should videotape yourself, should do the very same thing when you're teaching, because you're going to find that you have a lot of people have repeating phrases, the way that their their vernacular works. They keep saying the same things over and over. And yet the, the observation part is it may not resonate with your players, which goes back to that. Here's the 50 languages that you need to speak. So practice what you're going to demand. We're demanding our players to be able to rattle through all these decisions and mental processing. It's very important that everybody, all of us go through the same process and be expert with it rather than guessing. 
It's awesome. I love this. Uh, okay, so give us the five words to explain shooting. What's the answer? So we don't forget. <laughs> Pass it to the basket. Pass it to the basket. Love it. And love and it. you know the way that came about, Chris, is I've when I do shooting lectures, I'll have somebody said, "Okay, somebody come up here and and who in here struggles shooting?" And you know, guys are programmed saying, "Well, I, I gotta believe I'm a great shooter." Stop the belief stuff. <laughs> okay, confidence comes from something completely different, but. So I would take a shooter and I said, come on up here. And I would stand underneath the basket, have them face me and just make literally make that motion. Because it goes back to what I had said before. Basketball to me has always been taught wrong. The first thing that you learned after you did your cool step over between the legs move was probably the worst thing you could ever learn for shooting when you went to a coach. And that was the dreaded two hand chest pass. Absolutely. The shoulders, elbows, wrist play, which sequentially, that's exactly opposite of how you should work. Instead of shoulders, elbow, wrists, it should be wrist, elbow, shoulder. And now that be, that's actually your shooting or your passing motion. Like you watch, you know, our guys and most good basketball players. How many times in a game do you actually make that two-hand chest pass? Our guys don't even throw reverse swing passes with two hands like that because it's too slow. Yeah. You know, so the other part of it is when you do this, you're making the perfect shooting motion and all you're doing is make that pass this way. But what I'll do is I'll circle around until I get facing the basket and act like I'm going to pass it to the player and I raise the launch angle and that's the motion. And the funny thing is, is everybody in the world can make that motion that plays. And yet when you add the consequences, you add the result to your shot everything changes and they go back and they revert to what's habitual, you know, and that's, that's when it gets entertaining is how do I break that mental link? How do I break that biomechanical link that they have attached to it from a central programming generator is basically part of your nervous system that says the first time you do something is how you will always do it. Hey coach, I wanted to take a moment to tell you about a product I love and have used with my teams and now with my daughters in our backyard. Dr. Dish. Use promo code Immersion for exclusive savings on any of the machines. Dr. Dish Basketball is accelerating player performance with the most innovative game-like training solution available, allowing coaches and players to get better faster than ever before. By providing the most usable and advanced shooting machines, on-demand workouts, multiplayer stat tracking, and instant analytics, Dr. Dish Basketball has become the preferred source for basketball training with progressive coaches and players. A reminder, use promo code IMMERSION for exclusive savings on any of the machines. I want to talk more about the central programming generator. Just one quick thing I want to highlight that you said, and I love the way you phrase this, and I think this is the key, is you said solve the problem of the player. If, if we just all approach coaching and teaching from that perspective, wouldn't we be better off? <laughs> so, yeah, so you'd think, right? So I. It seems so simple, but yeah, we often don't about, approach it from that perspective, do we? Yeah. And well, it's funny, Chris, because I teach, you know, everybody knows I'm, you know, I'm a, a shooting coach as well as the, the rest of what I do. But um, I teach three completely different kinds of jump shots. One of them is actually, from a physics standpoint, different than the other two. Okay. There's commonalities from in terms of balance and posture and movement because those are all universal. But the actual energy transfer that we get from 
um, shooting a basketball with one of the methods is completely different. And it's all centered around the nature of the space that the shooter is going to get their shots from. Some people are catch and shoot guys. They're shooting when they're open. They're shooting quickly because uh, they're smaller or, or less athletic or whatever the case may be. And then there are others that are go-to guys that have to jump up and create space in the air. And then their timing changes and the length that the ball travels changes. And when they're doing things is, is very different than somebody that's just grabbing it and firing it as quickly as they can. And then there's a third one with, uh, with the big guys that the nature of their space is body to body. So they're creating space simply by angles and levers. You know, so the ball has to come out differently because one of the fun things I talk about, Chris, is when I get a, a lecture of people and I say, energy transfer is incredibly important. But here's one, one thing if we understand when the more you're rotating the ball, from a physics standpoint, actually the less energy efficient that you are driving the ball. Because if I take the ball and do this, that's a deflective move and that's what makes the ball spin. So the more spin that you have, even a good amount of spin is very inefficient from a physics standpoint. So it's required that we add more energy from someplace else, which is why I go through the whole thing about getting things in order sequencing. Okay. You have to load the ball in your hands. You have to raise it and then jump because that deflection at the end, if you add enough from your body, then you have enough energy to cover whatever distance we're covering. Okay. But when you're in close and you're not jumping, how are we going to get energy when you're being bumped or knocked backwards or, and it's actually taking spin off of the ball. So it's, you know, it, it's easy to see when we do it in, in, uh, in person, but the idea is dealing with what is okay. Some guys shoot from the left. I have no problem with that. There's a lot of great shooters that shoot from the left side. So if you think in terms of, like, I ask these questions often when I'm doing lectures and things, what's the most important thing uh, that you must do to shoot the basketball well? And you know what kind of crazy answers that you get. And going back to the simplicity idea, shoot the ball straight. <laughs> yeah. So if you shoot the ball from over here, how are we going to make that player shoot the ball straight? Now, you have a decision to make. Is this a, am I rebuilding? Or am I augmenting? Am I making this player better from where they are? Or do we have to re start over and rebuild? I've only, you know, in the NBA, I've had probably two rebuilds. Both of them came out wonderfully. It's just a matter of what time and how much they can attach to it. Others, we, we just change something that will get what they do to be the most or the best version of what they do. So what I have guys like this, I just open them up and now their arm, their shooting arm goes straight. So everything moves straight and your body, the way it works, square shoulders, square feet, elbow straight. Like we learned when we were kids. I don't teach any of those. Mm. That's not how you're, that's not how you're. I was going to ask you about that and, and talk to us why you don't elbow straight, shoulder squared, feet square that your body doesn't work that way. Right. It does not. If you right. just. If you stand there face, you know, squared up to the basket and just take your arms and swing them, they'll actually swing across. Okay. Cause that's where your shoulder joint works. And when you bring your elbow or bring your arm straight up like this, you'll feel tension in your shoulder. There's actually a plate on your bone that protects that joint. And 
you know, but if you stand sideways, think of the guy throwing darts. When you're throwing darts, the only thing that matters is you throw it straight, right? And they all stand the same way. The board's right here. They face to the left. They open up that shoulder. It's easy to take your arm up straight when you're open like that. So obviously by putting your other hand on the ball, there's got to be a happy medium. So we just find that. Because if you hold your hand up here, my elbow is straight now. That's where I'm shooting, give or take. So I need to be able to find that place where my elbow is natural and my hand falls straight. Great thing about this is if I hold the ball just slightly, whatever that angle is for each player, when I hold the ball here and bring it down, I can slide my elbow right behind, keep my wrist load, and the ball goes all the way touching my body. Okay. The other cool part is we're creatures of binocular vision. And if you hold your elbow straight there, you sometimes your dominant eye is blocked off. So when you're slightly open or the ball goes past and you know there's a there's a part of it when you're going past that ghosting of your hands but binocular vision is two points to one focal point on the front so if you're blocking that you know your vision your vision isn't as clear and when your vision's not as clear your mind's not as clear give us an idea of some of the questions you ask a player as you're working with them um like is it as simple as saying hey does that feel effortless and then that means they're working with their body versus against it or what are some of the questions that you ask well, you know, it's, what's interesting is when, when somebody, when I get somebody, most of the time they're in a place where they're just, they're ready to listen, you know? So I'll ask, I'll just, I'll go over there and I've had people that are a little nervous when they say, gosh, it's so I got to totally rebuild my shot. Right. I go, no, 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 no. I said, one of the things too, is you guys are pros for a reason. You guys are college players for a reason. You guys are good high school players for a reason. Whatever it is, you guys are playing the game and, and you're here at this level for a reason. You know, I'm not trying to take those reasons away, you know. So I kind of I'm much more of a collaborative teacher. And I'm I look at what I'll do. I've kind of been blessed. I've been doing this for a long time and my my eye is different, I'll say. So I, I get to see things that are different where I've walked up to a player. One of the first questions I'll ask is, Hey, so when did you break your right hand? Excuse me? I said, you broke your right hand somewhere. Didn't you? They go, well, eighth grade. They ask, how'd you know that? And I can see how their body moves, right? Cause it, you're making compensations. And if it's never been retrained, then you're reacting to what that one situation was. So it may be, okay, let's, we're going to work around that. You know. And I may, the questions I may ask are, what are your typical misses? Hmm. You know, just to see, not necessarily, I can see why they're missing and, and what their misses are. But sometimes I want to find out what their self-awareness is, what they're, you know, what they're focusing on or what they're noticing. Because once you, <laughs> I always use this phrase too, Chris, I said, if you feel it, you can fix it. So I'm looking for, I can see something and explain it to a player. Sometimes they'll feel it. Sometimes they won't. Everything that I do is an explanation and a why. We get really deep into why are we doing this? This is how your body works. This is why we're doing it this way. This is how it's going to help you. This is why we're doing it this way. So the guys get really, they, they, they respond to that quickly 
And the other blessing that I have is we have a reputation of, of success with, with shooters. So there's not a whole lot of, you know, I have to prove my way with, with people, you know, they're, they're already kind of partially bought in and then they start to understand, okay, wow, I didn't realize this was going to help me, you know? So, and, and it's interesting because every single guy is a different solution and every single guy is a very tiny different um, issue that they have to clean up. And that's, yeah. And that's great. And you can't, you can't teach shooting exactly the same way to everyone in that sense. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's like, so I, one time I had, I had uh, one of our techie guys comes over and he says, listen, I was just at a show and this is what I saw. We've got, we can take cameras and, mm-hmm. and here's what, um, here's what we can do with the cameras. We can take different angles and then we can create an avatar so the player can see what he's doing. And my simplistic part of the, I said, that's great, but can you just take a video and remove the player? And they look like, where are you going with this route? I just want them to see how the ball moves. Because the one thing about shooting, Chris, is that the geometry is, the truth of the geometry is going to be universal. So when I ask somebody, what's the perfect way that a ball should fly? And I'll, I'll draw with my finger. If, if this is the player and this is the basket, the ball should go something like that right regardless of what launch angle you decide to shoot on it should go something like that what does it actually do when a player catches it the ball goes that's three moves that you've got to handle at duress two inertia changes you're looking at from a physics equation but when you say that to a player they don't necessarily feel or see that because they've been doing this for a long time so if you take a a video and remove the player and just watch the ball, it's incredibly revealing. That light bulb goes off and people, whoa, I did not know that's what that ball was doing. And from there, you know, we're very, I'm very matter of fact, okay, here's what is, and here's what we're going to do. You know, nothing's ever personal. Boy, does that stink, or boy, does that a struggle? How do you even do that? Or <laughs> none of that. It's like, here's what is, here's what we're going to do, you know? So well, and I love that because you've created psychological safety, as you already said before, in terms of, you know, that immediately they come in with a bit of fear that you're, they're going to have to go through something really complex and then you simplify it and make it okay for them. Or, or to your point that they're going to have to go through what you think they should be doing or you want them to do from the right. beginning, you know, so. Which also creates safety for them. Yes. Yeah. If you're looking at, if you're looking at things from. If if people are believing that there is a problem, then a, you know approach it from a solutions based uh, approach. That's it. Here's the problem. Here's how we're going to fix it. And that may be fluid because of you know you have to be um, observing your player to see what kind of things that they're connecting with. But um, generally, the physics and the geometry and the biomechanics are going to be the same your explanations and some angle changes and posture, et cetera, et cetera. And timing that may be slightly different for each player. You know, like going back to what I ask people, I say, are you left eye dominant or right eye dominant? And you know how many people have no idea what, huh? They don't even know. They have no idea. They don't know if they're right or left eye dominant. I'm left eye dominant. I've always known that, but 
you know, when you say to a player, I'm not really sure. So it's an easy thing. Just hold your fingers up, look through the hole and close one eye and see which one you're seeing with. <laughs> tell you. Nah. That also tells you how the player is going to see the, you know, see their shot. Okay, in that example of removing the player, so you just see the path of the ball, I know one of the things you say is the most important thing is to make the ball go straight and work back from there. So so help us understand that. So if they do have a lot of movement of the ball that isn't going straight, what are you doing to correct that? Well, so depending on the issue of the player, I, I've, I create drills that, it's reinforcement by literal force. Mm-hmm. I give them stuff that you just can't do it any other way. For example, so back to that example with the with the arc of the ball going like this, and it actually goes like this. Yeah. Most people can see that. What else do they do? If you take a camera and put them face on, a lot of times the ball goes like that while it's going. <laughs> I'm like, wow, that's a lot of variables, guys. So, and you're um, talking about on the lift of the ball, like on the catch lift of the ball. Is that where you're talking about the variability or after? Yeah, I mean, how and part of it, they're, they're all kind of intertwined. Yeah. So, when we, you know, there's a really simple method that I, you know, if I'm going to start with the younger players, I call it one, two, through. Okay. So, we, I just, it's my own system. I just called it that. So, when you first catch the ball, what's the first thing that you should do? Me, I tell them, load your wrist. Okay. Now, loading your wrist. Sets your posture, sets the angle, sets your leverage, sets a lot of things. And then we go, we talk about preparation, connection, sequence. Okay. So the one, two, through is you load your wrist. Remember when I was talking about that passing move, all I do is change my launch angle and follow through at the angle that I want the ball to fly. So one, two, through is I load the ball with my hands. I raise the ball independent of the rest of my body. And this is where the timing and athleticism comes in. As the ball is moving up, and then I jump through my release. Okay. And you've probably seen that the, I do a video explaining energy transfer with the ball. So if you time it, so as the ball is moving up, you're jumping up and through, then the ball takes your body's energy into the ball and gets driven towards the basket. So it becomes really effortless when what we try to do is eliminate direction changes and eliminate inertia breaks meaning stops. Every time the ball stops, you create inertia and you have to break it. Okay. Inertia being if something's sitting still, it has the energy to keep it still. If something's moving, it has the energy to keep it moving. So as we, we try to eliminate stops and eliminate direction changes. So everything is that complex way of getting simple. So one of the drills, a really good example. Um, I kind of, I created this for uh, Tony Bennett at the university of Virginia called a roll-up drill. Okay, probably seen it. Now it's people are doing it all over the, you know, there's guys scattered around the NBA shooting in free throws. And every one of them has had their career high in free throws. So you basically take the ball and set it on your hip pocket and you roll it directly up your body, up into your shot. And what that does is it eliminates direction changes and stops. Okay. Keeps everything in order. And Josh Richardson was one of our best examples. He was a 67% free throw shooter. Since he went to roll-ups, he's never shot um, worse than 85% NBA doing it. So a lot of good success with it, but that's that's the idea. Another one is, so anything that you do static, Chris, 
mm-hmm. we talk about the dynamic version of the same thing. Okay. So if you're going to try and create that straight line and that good motion with the ball, I actually have our guys do one dribble, jump, one hand, jump, stop, jump shots where they're not allowed to touch it with their other hand. So it kind of corrects a lot of things when you make that dribble and you have to have your hand under the center of the ball. You have to have your body loaded underneath. Otherwise, you'll just lose it unless somebody has giant hands and they're grabbing it. But you get the idea. Uh, for, for coaches that are trying to visualize this, Rob has a great YouTube channel, The Shooting Guy. Uh, go there. You can check out some of these. I know they're not all on there, but a lot of them in, yeah. on your Instagram as well. But uh, in that example you just gave, the, the, the roll-up to the do-it-now-off movement and the roll-up drill, are they touching it with the other hand or it's just one hand? The roll-up drill, just by the nature of how the ball goes, is you roll it up about half until your wrist is loaded, and then the other hand will kind of participate. Okay, yeah, the idea ball. is we're, we're trying to create that good geometric shape. You know, it's not necessarily a hand prep challenge, but the first thing you do when you, when you roll the ball up is you have to load your wrist. You know, so once you load your wrist, that's what keeps the ball against you. And, and coaches will see it. Players will feel it. If you don't load your wrist early, the ball will move out away from your body and then you'll spend time trying to reconnect. So there's a direction change. You know, there's some momentum break. So that's kind of, you know, when it was developed, um, you know, it's, we talk about, um, we talk about the understanding of what you're trying to do, you know, rather than memory. I heard a, a great quote from a friend of mine, Mike Dunn. Uh, he and I are, uh, which I'll, I'll throw out a shameless plug here, Chris, if that's all right. Mike and I are actually going to write, we're writing a book together, a book of this, this simple method of shooting. I don't know what we're going to call it yet, but it's the idea is the stories of how this was all created, our interaction with it, and then how to do it and it's going to be hopefully super concise and a lot of fun and and we're going to do it in all stick figures <laughs> so it should be it should be fun and we're gonna we're, we're actually getting started on that project pretty soon. no problem i'll have no problem promoting that don't worry now <laughs> thanks but definitely most of our listeners probably who know mike dunn is as well uh and uh you, 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 t- you talk about some of these things and i want to just come back a little bit to the physics because newton's third law this energy transfer, this action reaction, such an important part of shooting. Can you just share that with coaches? Yeah, and, and it goes back to the breaking of inertia and how do we create, especially because humans, athletes are very, there's an artistic side to them, okay? Uh, and you probably know this, and, and why, are, why are teams now playing music when players come into the gym, okay? Because a lot of our body, 95 plus percent, is water, okay? And when music is played, the vibrations create energy within the water, okay? So whenever the music comes in, and I say it, and I actually teach shooting a lot with rhythms, okay? If you want to speed somebody's jump shot up, you can do it with rhythms. So, and I'll explain that in a second, but um, if you're looking at, you're looking at fluidity, okay? And then if you're looking at the action and reaction of energy transfer, any time that there's a stop, there's, there's a tension that's created that you have to break that inertia. So you're recreating an energy force that you already had before you made your stop. So we do a lot of things. This is a, so this will be a good picture for everybody. 
Okay. Have you ever seen just the string art where people put up nails? Okay. What they do is they take one string from one nail, one string to another, but the end product is every single string is a straight line, right? But the picture looks like an arc or a curve. So you're connecting points together in a way that there is a smooth flow to it. Okay. So it can be done where you're going point to point to point, but then the player's um, abilities as an artist come to the fore and be able to create this thing that everybody sees that becomes their unique stamp on how they're, how they're shooting. But uh, with the regard to the physics, anytime you're dealing with inertia, loss of energy, you have to recreate energy. And if you think about the amount of time it takes to actually uh, get a shot off. If you have to stop, start, stop, start, change directions two and three times, obviously you've become, you've, you've put a really difficult physics equation out there for yourself. It's great because for both of us, that connects back to the importance of perception and decision, right? If you mm-hmm. made that decision, like no pausing, if you made that decision, you should shoot the ball. And I know yeah. you've talked about that with Duncan Robinson in the sense that it's like, we don't, we don't care where he is. We just want him to know that he feels like this is the right shot. And that comes from perception and decision, right? Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of it. So I, one of the things that Duncan was dealing with was just, just his backstory, you know, coming from a small place and going to another place and then having to catch on somebody's summer league team. You know, the reality of it is you've got to, you've got to know you belong. There can't be any doubts, you know, and Everybody will speak to the idea that, yeah, I belong here. This is me. I'm, I'm confident. But the reality of it is you've got to be able to prove it to yourself to know it, right? So um, it, it, interesting, we had uh, Duncan's very first real NBA game. We had, uh, I think we played a home game against Memphis. And Duncan didn't shoot the ball very well. I think it was one for eight from the three-point line. So you can imagine how frustrated he is because the thinking is, I've got to make shots to help my team. Funny thing is Duncan was plus 23 in the game. (laughs) So he did a lot of other really good things. And when you're as great a shooter as he is, just the gravity that he has makes everyone else better just because he's out there. Okay. And we've, we've been, we've got a bunch of guys that are like that, that have high gravity uh, shooters. So the, the interesting thing was he's a very thoughtful guy. Okay. And when too many thoughts come into making your decision, you run out of time. I do a lot of drills that eliminate your time for decision, okay? Shortens the window constantly. So the, the next day after that game, we were, uh, we were playing the Bucks in the next game on the road. It was a big game up there, and, you know, we were missing a couple guys, and, you know, he was feeling this. I got to – so what we did is we sped him up. I made him go so fast. Um, and people have now heard that, heard the name of that drill. We call it catch high, keep high. So I was throwing the ball up here and he had to shoot it from right there. So in the time that he would catch it, he liked to find the seams and then get his body on balance. And he's, his, you know, how fa- your mind's working. So I eliminated all of that. And the next game he went out there and he made three incredibly difficult, huge three pointers for us to come back from down 18 at Milwaukee for, to give us a chance to go win it in overtime. So, you know, when you get, and then that breakthrough, it was funny because he hit one of the shots it was an ATO we drew up for him. And it was a huge shot. 
I looked at the person next to me. I go, that was a huge shot. And you know the response. Well, yeah, yeah, that was a big shot. I go, no, 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 <laughs> for his career. Right. That's that great. Those singular moments change everything. And not to go down the NBA path too too much, because obviously everything you talk about applies to all levels, I feel. Yeah. But, but but the one thing you have said about like an NBA player or really high level players is their ability to simulate what you give them is faster. And knowing that, then what are some things you do for younger players who may have a harder time assimilating the information you give them? Well, um, again, depending on what kind of what kind of learner they give the impression of being for me. Some people are I can. You know, it, it, part of being a good teacher and a coach is you have to be a little bit of a mind reader, you know, and your ability to look into your player and understand what they're feeling, what they're thinking, just by their body language, their reactions to different situations around. So all of that equates into what you're going to do with a player. Um, you know, so it, find out what they're really good at right off the bat. And I like giving them that very simple thought of here let's you and i just play catch right and they will start that when you start throwing it like this they'll start to notice because you know players are trying to get better and they're you know reasonably understanding of what game you're playing when you're throwing it like this if you stood there and threw 10 15 20 passes i promise you every single player i'm sorry there's always going to be one outlier one person will go what the heck are we doing this for but most people that are trying to achieve something they're being observant with what you're doing with them. And they'll look at you and you'll see it on their face. They'll see the ball rotate the way they want to when it's being shot. They'll see this ball coming out there and it's dead straight. Because I'll hold up a target and say, no, no, hit my target. And it's, it basically is a, is a microcosm of shooting. For people that are watching, just so you know the visual he's showing us, is instead of a two-hand chest pass, he's shooting a horizontal shot from the middle yeah. of his body. That's all it is, a horizontal shot, which is a horizontal pass. But you're shooting it as a pass instead of passing it as yeah. exactly exactly right. So which, which totally makes sense and connects a lot of things, I think. Yeah. And that way I'm a big believer in building blocks. I start mm -hmm. with the finishing seat. Well, think about it. you get a young player and you're trying to teach them how to shoot a layup. What do most people do? They walk them out to the elbow and say, here, take one dribble and lay it in, jump off your left foot, which oddly we don't ever teach that shot at the highest level. None of our guys shoot off their right so hand. We could spend foot. an hour on layups because I am of the belief that's something, again, I, I've never taught my daughters how to shoot a layup because I believe the technique limits them. Yeah. It yeah. limits their solutions and their possibilities. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, if you, you ask our guys, Chris, if you say, how do you make layups? Mm -hmm. If I ask this to players, they look at you like, what, well, what kind of goofy question is that? All of our players have one sentence answer because we've all gone through it. They'll look at you and they say, you, we make layups with eyes and elbows. Mm -hmm. Your eyes control your spatial relationship with the basket, your body's posture, your elbow controls. If my elbow is here, it controls the angle of the palm of my hand, the palm. So you'll see a lot of players will take the ball up like this and look where the palm of your hand is. Palm of your hand controls the direction of the ball. So not to get off that topic, but there's a, there is an, there's a science to everything. I've said that about, I teach people fly fishing. I teach people golf. I teach people basketball, everything you can think of. You know, I even teach people quantum computing, quantum resistance encryption for computers. Okay. 
So there's, there's a science to everything. Once you understand the science and you have an application mind to it, you can see something and know which direction things are going and know which directions you need to create. So that's kind of the, that's the fun part of it. But, you know, I, so I think what I, you know, in teaching layups, I go there and I move them to one step from the basket. If you're trying to get a youngster to shoot right hand off their left foot, give them one step to take. So obviously they step with their left foot and they shoot it. Then you back up and you say, okay, ready, right, left and shoot it. And then the third uh, step back, you add the dribble, which is how you shoot a layup. If you're trying to get a, you know, a young player to go off their left foot. Right. So it's the same thing with shooting, get the passing motion, have them pass it to the basket. And then what I'll do when you start wanting to add movement, balance, footwork, all that, give them one shot that they're, that they're used to shooting, that they know they can recreate that motion with, and then move the directions. Footwork one, two, this way, jump stop that way, add one dribble, jump stop, et cetera, et cetera. And you start, I call it, I've called it stacking for 40 years. Mm-hmm. We start stacking things on top of it. Then once they become proficient, then, then we start to challenge the difficulty of it. That's where you've seen like all the pass fakes and behind the back plays and all the different things that we do is I'm always trying to make the task that they're going to do in a game, the easiest thing that they'll ever practice. I think one of the mistakes, Chris, and we've seen it a lot is most people, I mean, people are catching on now, but the way it used to be is the task that you were going to do was the end product. And that's where you stopped. And they didn't get into enough challenges. And that's why we had to get great athletes to be able to play, to overcome the limitations of teaching. And it speaks to these mix drills, I call them, these things that mix, whether other body movements or other dribbles or yeah. other different things with the shot. That's what you're talking about, is that it takes it beyond just this task. And it's all these variables that go in prior to the task or including the task. And I, and I think that, I think I'm a really big guy in creating variables, as you've seen us work before. Absolutely. But I'm really also, I'm really big with people misunderstanding unintended consequences. And this may be a little bit controversial, but I'm not a big cone guy. We'll put cones out there just because there's, this is where we've got to go. But as soon as you put a cone down, what happens? Your eyes go right to the cone. Yeah. And when you're bouncing something and you're staring at the thing directly in front of you, we're not processing the game. You know, and I think a lot of times people are teaching individuals solely as individuals with, you know, they're teaching in a vacuum, you know, because you can go get pictures to show anything you want, right? We talk about vertical posture all the time, but you can show somebody with their chest like this because they just got bumped. And that one frame was right after that. And then the great athlete is coming up with getting back on balance to make the play. But, you know, I think there's always got to be some thought of what the we have a very holistic approach is what is the unintended consequences of you staring at the floor driving in shrink guys missing guys missing cutters all that stuff you know i'm so glad you brought this up because again a cone just by adding a cone or some type of piece or device that we've all seen to help shooting like in motor motor learning sky acquisition it's called guidance right and the problem with guidance is you become used to it so i'm wondering this helps connect back to something i wanted to come back to which is this central programming generator which yeah. is this imprint that this unintended consequence you've created this imprint that, that they now rely on or they yeah. have to remove themselves from right yes and if and if the and i've called it brain imprint for for simplicity 
electricity stake is if you if you create a brain imprint that the first thing you do is look for the cone like think about the way we were taught one-on-one when we were kids the kid has the ball here comes the defender and what did everybody learn attack the up foot Mm -hmm. well (laughs) that's making you go side to side and it's making you reactive of what they're doing that's not and like for us if you're attacking somebody one-on-one there's basically three ways to do it and that's the third best way (laughs) yeah i've never i totally agree with you on that one i can't get people to believe that but yeah yeah, if you, it, it, the the higher levels you go, the less you see it. And and yes, you'll move people side to side, but that's that's a that's a rare thing. You're always you're playing the closeout forward and backwards. You're raising a person up on a shot fake, and then you're moving them side to side. And we're talking talk, attack the open foot because again, that's a straight line path in theory. And if they cut you off, it makes your counter better. But it yeah. just speaks to me. It speaks to me exactly. That's a great example of a lot of what affects shooting and the way we teach shooting too is somehow as a coach, we have this belief that this is something that we should be teaching because it's been passed down with no evidence that there's any type of, you know, yeah. motor learning, biomechanics, anything that applies to it. It's just a belief. 100%. And, you know, people learn what they're taught. Mm-hmm. They don't necessarily question what they're taught. I was the guy questioning all of them. I've never taught any of that. You know, and I used to tell, I used to show people, well, we don't teach that negative step. Well, it's not, it's not a negative step if you don't go backwards. Mm-hmm. Just because your foot gets behind you, like you've heard, you've heard me talk about it before. I've studied physics, kinesiology, blah, 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 and then I'll say I studied geometry and this and that. I studied cats and gymnasts, and everybody goes, wait, 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 cats. I love that part, yeah, cats. <laughs> of course. <laughs> what do you study? Cats? I go well. If you ever watched a cat which is the most athletic because you heard coaches all the time. Whoo, that guy's quick as a cat or that kid's cat quick. So I went and studied cats. <laughs> why would I care about the guy who's cat quick? I wanted to study why is a cat quick. So growing up in Detroit, obviously, you know, there's lots of cats around that you can mess with and kind of watch what they do. But if you scare a cat, there's a universal reaction, right? They drop all their their hand their their paws all go out in, in different directions their their center of mass gets closer to the ground and their eyes and their head go up because what they're doing is they're looking okay what's going on how the hell do i get out of here so they uh, lower or, right they lower yeah. and it's and it's innate fight or flight response this mm-hmm. was one of the first places that i started say to the way that i teach movement is the innate fight or flight response, obviously, we have the same thing in common with cats as we're all part of the animal kingdom. So therefore, our innate fight or flight response is going to work similarly, only we just have two levers, they have four. So, you know, it, my thought next was, we all have this innate thing, how do I make it a skill? Mm. So a lot of the program, the movement program that I have is kind of built around that, you know, and going back to unintended consequences like one of the things that i did even when you know because coaches want you to do what they want you to do back in the old days i want you to attack the up foot Mm -hmm. i said well coach if somebody cuts back door out of the corner i can't see him so when i when i do teach people that i don't have to look at the cone to know where the cone is i can look at the rim and my peripheral vision will see it so one of the things i do because everybody starts with shooting chris is i'll say Here's the drill. Chris, I'm going to throw you passes and you cannot look at the ball. You can only look at the rim 100% of the time. 
So I'll throw a bounce pass. I said, I'm not going to hit you. I'm not going to try to make it difficult. And I'll throw a bounce pass. And the first time that you throw it, the player will look down and glance at the ball. And then I'll make it, hey, hey, ice the rim. And then what happens is you throw it, and then I'll throw it out to the left. I'll throw it out to the right. And they'll start, you know, you can see the ball because you can, you're, you know, we're athletic beings and we're out there doing these great things. And one of them is to be able to, if we're going to go back to our decisions and processing, you got to have the earlier you see it, the quicker you can make your decision, right? Rather than getting that narrow focus, we have to, we have to take in a lot of stimulus to make a, a proper decision rather than just the one thing right in front of us. So, Hey coach, I just want to let you know Basketball Immersion is proud to partner with Just Play. I had the chance to spend some time with Just Play in New Orleans at the Final Four and I was blown away by the next level simplicity and effectiveness of this all-in-one solution for coaches to prepare faster and connect with today's players. Just Play provides an elite experience for coaches to better teach, scout, and recruit on one platform. Just Play integrates with any video editing solution to streamline how you prepare and engage your players. Sign up for a free demo, www.justplaysolutions.com forward slash bball immersion. Just finish your thought, Coach, on the cat and the uh, how that applies to the negative or the false step. Yeah, so what a, what a cat will do if you, it, when a cat, I call it vertical drop, yep. okay? Their body drops straight to the ground and they're, they're, all their limbs go out behind them basically in four different directions. Okay. Cause they're trying to have a lever behind the direction when they make their decision of I've got to go, they push off the lever that's behind the direction they want to go and they're off in a flash. Okay. Mm -hmm. So now if you look at consistencies, I started watching everything, all the athletes in the world. And the first, the easiest place to understand that is a sprinter. The guy who has to start the fastest of anybody starts with one foot behind the other. So why are we teaching ourselves to jab forward, put weight on that foot, and then now, now it's the slowest possible way? Same things with wide receivers. Wide receivers, when the ball goes up in the air, they have a little bit of a drop. They drop their back foot and hit the jets. Running backs, when they go into the hole, tennis servers or tennis return of serve, you see them, they bounce, they're bouncing lower, 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 and then that foot behind them, and then they'll turn and push, okay? To understand how the movement works, if you start the movement from your feet, then you can posture yourself up. If your feet don't move, something has to. And what is it? It's your head. If your head goes first, dynamic balance is lost. Mm -hmm. The heaviest part of your body and outside your center of gravity, you're going to lose balance. Exactly. And, you know, I was a baseball player when I was a kid and everybody that's played baseball holds a baseball bat up in their fingers and you walk around when the baseball bat is vertical, it's weightless. It moves anywhere you want it to. As soon as the baseball bat tips over, you got to grab it. That thing's heavy and you are now chasing balance. And that's exactly what players do. Mm -hmm. And it comes from the nature of how we learn. So are you teaching uh, this, this load, this uh, drop? Two players when they're shooting or when they're driving, or is it on all catches? Again, situational fundamentals. What we do, because I, we are, I, I focus incredibly on efficiency. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what I'll do is I'll have a player, let's say we're coming off a pin down for a shot at the top. Okay. 
our guys will make their vertical drop because you've got to fight that fight to be able to start to get open and create space anyway. If you're standing up, you've lost already. So we get in that vertical drop and there's that little bit of hand fighting, push off, whatever it is. And then we run and we run exactly at the level we're going to shoot from because now you're a threat. It's the same thing with ball handlers. If you are down and your hands come together, like Steph will handle the ball and his hands come together. He's a threat. Everybody wants to go guard the shot. So he draws you towards and then he changes directions. Okay. And, you know, players, you're always moving people closer to you or farther from you, or you're moving them up and down. Okay. Now with our shooters, our sprint catch and shoot guys, we try to have a move at one level because now think about the, the ski jumper off of Nordic ski jump, right? They go one level, one level, one level, and then the jump and now they're straight up. Okay. If you're going up and down like that, you're going to kill yourself, <laughs> okay? So the phrase I always used was roller coaster movements, roller coaster results. And we're looking for consistency. Levelness is consistency. And it's efficiency. There's less things that we have to do once we get to the ball. So I'm a big one in I none of my guys, or I try to work them out of jumping into their stops. We run, we sprint to the stop, okay? So we stay at that one level. It's easier to connect and it's down, 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 up to finish. Okay. So, and that's in the perfect scenario. Okay. So we try to approach that as close as possible. Everybody has their little stamp on it. And I'm not one to, you know, I, I actually came in, somebody brought me in for a consult to help a player and his shot looked goofy. Okay. But truth be told, so did Reggie Miller. You know, I said to I said to the coach, I said, I said, so what are his numbers? He said, well, his numbers are pretty good. I go, okay. Uh, is he a good free throw shooter? Yes. Good three point shooter? Very good. And I'm going, okay. Can he get the shots off in the situations that you demand from him? They go, well, yeah. I said, no disrespect, coach, but I'd hate for you to waste your money bringing me in if you don't need me to. It strikes me as a, like, do you do you want to be impressive or effective, yeah. right? Like, yeah. it doesn't have to look good to be good, <laughs> right? And there's there's been some people that have goofy shots. Jamal Wilkes back with the Lakers days, Lloyd Free, those guys drew it behind their head, and they were they were great shooters. Peja Stojakovic shot with side spin because because the way he held the ball, you know, his index finger, he held the ball instead of this, he held it like this, and his index finger came off there, and the ball spun this way, you know. Tim Hardaway shot a very low spinning ball. People couldn't figure out why. He was a great shooter, especially in the clutch. You know, Reggie Miller, cross-handed finish. Okay, that's because he was playing against one of the best women players of all time when he was growing up, and he was a foot smaller than she was. So he had to make stuff up, you know. If you become great at something and you don't have any, if you don't have too many limitations on what you're being asked to do, then you know, it's okay to it's okay to say. You don't need me. You have to be secure enough in yourself as a teacher and a coach to say, this guy's on a good path. If we run into troubles with it, let me know. I can build in some counters for you now if you'd like, which I've done that before. But, you know, build, you know, let the guy know that he's he's a good one. You know, I think about and I want to get your thoughts on this. I think about one of the things that I wasted so much time on as a player. And prior to studying all this, probably I did it too much as a coach too. And this concept of form shooting 
one or two feet from the basket, right? Like biomechanically, physics wise, it's just a waste of time, in my opinion, because of what you said already, which is removing power from a shot. So essentially, yeah. you're 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 working on a movement or you're imprinting a movement pattern yeah. that doesn't apply that close to the basket, does it? It that's and that's very true. One of the things, that, and and I'll be a little bit of a contrarian here because Please. of situational fundamentals. The quest is always how to put more power on the ball. But then as you go up higher in levels to really high level high school players, college players, pros, there's you have to also understand how to take power off the ball. Okay, so for that purpose it's good? Yeah. Well, not necessarily so it's so you're not talking like maybe learning to yeah, shoot the, to refine well, the form the shooting. I use form shooting as a calibration. Okay. It's a reminder. Here's what we're doing first. Load your hand, move the ball first, and then shoot it. And feel matters, okay? Like even, you know, inside the restricted circle in the NBA, inside the restricted circle is high-level guys shoot 75%. You're going to miss one out of four. Those are really hard shots. Mm -hmm. So we kind of we kind of take, if, if it's a game shot, then we work on touch shots and quickness and all that stuff. The form part, if we've got a change, a technical change to make with somebody, I'll do that a little bit. But to okay. understand the nature of where power comes from, if we're trying to put power on, we're trying to add energy, create more leverage. If we're trying to take power off, like you've got somebody who's a driver and they, have, they put up the three-man wall and you've got to pull up and shoot an eight-footer, that's a hard shot. That's why the mid-range shot is so challenging because there's defense on both sides of you, in front of you, and a lot of times behind you. So that's a hard shot. And then it's this little touch-feel shot counter to what you're trying to do from deep. So what we talk about, or what I teach my guys, is how do we dissipate power and how do we eliminate leverage? Okay. So if you're shooting a three-pointer from here, you can eliminate leverage and shoot it high-handed from six to eight feet, which also creates space for you, okay? Because we're using vertical space, right? When, it, when you hear the phrase vertical space, everybody thinks the lob on the, jump, on the uh, alley -oop, on the pick and roll. But it's the same for somebody going into traffic, like you, you picture Michael Jordan or, or Kobe Bryant or the good scorers, LeBron, when he goes up and jumps, you're like, oh, Kevin Durant's hands get really high and and they're dissipating leverage because the one thing about creating a repeating shot, Chris, is your follow through needs to be full. So it's really hard to make a hard move and drive and then jump really high and then baby the shot because it's five feet. So our guys are taught how to dissipate leverage, dissipate power, because that way the end is always the same. Remember when I was talking about finishing sequence. These things, the, the, the fun thing for us is everything is same, 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 okay? One thing translates to the next. We're always, we're trying to shoot it full. Unless there's a little touch shot that's, that's not a shot, it's a scoring move, right? So floaters are taught differently and, you know. But and you don't follow through full on a floater. And that's what I was going to say. At the rim, it's not a full follow through probably. Yeah, I mean, the touch shots are, are different. Yeah. They're engineered differently. And it's funny, too, because, you know, going back to like what people are teaching now, I watch this eight to 12 dribble sequences and somebody shoots a floater. 
there's probably what 15 guys you know at the highest level that play like that and the floater with the best players in the world is a low 30 percent shot Mm -hmm. you know so it's something that you need if you're the go-to guy you know but you know from a time standpoint you can spend your time a lot better on on some some other things like i love and you probably watch duncan work out and we did it with kendrick and tyler and wayne and uh tyler johns we had a whole bunch of our catch and shoot guys they would go 45 minutes and never put the ball down unless it was an escape to the next window to shoot Mm -hmm. the shot you know and it is a phenomenal way to work out and we taught our guys going back to our decision thing we taught duncan and no shot fakes on sprint catch and shoots so you come flying off there you get it and you jump and you go up to shoot (laughs) and tyler one day says to me this is the this is the nature of talent tyler says well coach what if somebody's right here i said well you go up as high as you can and the instant that you know you can't get the shot off throw it to the big because you just came off the big on a pin down right (laughs) so in that game that night, it was so funny. He comes flying off a pick and roll or a, a pin down full speed. And Tyler gets up in the air too. And he's up there high-handed. I can't remember who it was, but it's pretty high level, long defender, had their hand really close to the ball. He goes up there and he throws it and flips it over to Myers Leonard. Okay. And Tyler put it on the ground. And Myers, this was such a cool play. Myers didn't even catch it. Okay, he put his hand out there one-handed, and as the ball got to him, he just patted it down onto the ground. Because what I told the players is, after you pass it, get on the ground fast as you can and go back and chase the ball, and that will be your shot. That's exactly the play they pulled off. That's the fun part of dealing with guys at the That's so level. cool. Thanks for that. Because I, I, I think anyone that watches the Miami Heat a lot can picture those type of quick, quick kind of pitch handoffs and different types yeah. of actions that yeah. come from that. And they're born out of a decision, basically, as you said, to not shoot the ball. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and then it's next play speed. Our guys are, we work on next play speed constantly. And that is you, and and that goes for the big play of the game and the micro play that you're involved in. You know, what's your next thing? Like, I love watching. So we work really hard with our guys when they shot fake. So a couple different kinds of shot fakes. When you have a live dribble, it's a quick shot fake just to get them to raise. And then there's the one after you've used it where you raise them and they do it go fly by. Well, a lot of guys, the, the more valuable the games are, the defenders put in more effort. So if I go flying by, I'm trying to get back on the ground and jump back and get a hand on the ball, right? So I teach our guys, when you shot fake, we pull the ball back down. Because you'll see it a lot of times they're like this, and then they'll just let the ball fall and they'll take casually. That's time wasted, guys. And we don't have that. So we go shot bake, pull it down, vertical posture, back into set, boom. And we go. I've even got a couple of our guys, and you'll see it this year. <laughs> Hopefully, I'm not giving too much away, but our guys will now shot bake and shoot it, catch high, keep on. Wow. They won't even pull it back down. Now you've got a defensive problem. So yep. we're trying to take away the reaction time and the decision time from the defense. In a game of action-reaction, if you're taking away decision time from the reactor, obviously you're creating an advantage. That's, that'll be impressive to see. That's that's great. Um, you thought you were contrarian on the form shooting, but I think actually we were kind of supporting each other. So just want to clarify one thing. And, and when I say form shooting, I'm okay with form shooting. I just wasn't okay doing it always at the basket. And oh, you mentioned, yeah. yeah, you mentioned six to eight feet 
And that's generally what I say too, that somewhere in that six to 10 feet range is form shooting, not one foot from the basket or two foot. Yeah. And I know, I know what you mean. And, and, uh, we don't spend a lot of time with it. Our calibrations are much more complex. (laughs) We we work on pickups and handsets and, you know, test balance. And then we're working on the ball moving first. There's so many times that, that moving the ball first is the problem for the player because they move their body first because it goes back to the nature of how we, how we learned that, that move right there when the ball's low and we start young kids on a 10 foot basket with a real basketball, that ball's heavy. Mm-hmm. So they're yanking their body up there. and uh, Now they're lifting it up. Central programming generator. First, the way you learn things is how you always do it. And what happens is they get faster and they get more athletic. So if the coach isn't seeing it, they keep doing it. And a lot of times, Chris, you can't believe how many people, even our absolute best guys, like I think when Duncan came, we changed five things. And it goes like that for everybody. You know, all the really good shooters everybody knows, we've changed five to eight things with everyone. And they come to a better understanding, and now then they become efficient. Mm-hmm. And that's when they're scary. Because these guys are talented and confident and can go do things everybody else can't. And now they're doing it right and efficiently and is that one of the hardest steps i mean they talk about that relative to expertise i mean going from bad to okay is an actual easier step than going from say good to great (laughs) yeah i anytime you're making progress and Mm -hmm. and i think definitions become a big part of it too chris is what's your definition of great a great what's your definition of okay and i and in order to is that league average is that what we'd say above league average is that what we would say in terms of a shooter well it depends like the the year that duncan broke all the records in the nba history for catch and shoot he was also the second most closely contested guy in the nba Mm. so i don't know i mean league average based on okay his are are actually harder is what you're saying because yeah yeah. so the league average in terms of percentage that's one thing to consider but if you're one of the most closely guarded guys what should your average be? You know, so we should we have to understand situational all fundamentals and situational evaluations, right? You're right, exactly. One last thing. I mean, I want I want to because I, I believe one of the well, not one of the, I I know one of the strengths of who you are as a coach is how you teach. So I want to connect another thing for coaches that have heard you talk about, and this is you've already mentioned being collaborative, and you've also talked about people retain more information when they can teach it. And I'm curious about how this discovery process or this empowerment process works and how you teach shooting. That's a great question. A lot of times, so I kind of, there's, there's a collaborative part. There's a teaching component, a learning component, and there's an expert component. As you go on, you have got to be completely expert in what you're teaching your players from a confidence standpoint from the players from when a player has a question for you don't make stuff up you know like our league is they just have a bs meter they know one second two seconds after you're talking to them whether you know what you're talking about or not you know and to say it's okay to say you know what that's a great question 
I'm not sure about that. Let's find that out. We can find that out together. I'll find that out tomorrow and we'll figure it out, right? Now, I, I don't have a whole lot of time for that because we need an answer five seconds from now because we're going to go, we got to go execute something. But, you know, the idea is you've got to know your stuff, 50 different languages, every possible fundamental situation, et cetera, et cetera. There's a lot of study and a lot of knowing your players. What really becomes fun is when like, and this happens with us a lot because we get new players, you know, you draft guys, you trade guys and here they come. And what happens is the guys who have gone through the struggles that you are about to go through, <laughs> they're standing there with you and they'll jump in there and they'll give you their imprint of this is how I learned this. So they're collaborating with them and teaching them at the same time. Justice Winslow was one of the really cool success stories for us. He was either 24, 26% shooter from three point line. Uh, and when I first um, when I first came there, he was, our, he was the first project and hang on one second. He was the first project and that year he shot 39% from the three point line. And you know, in the NBA, that is a ridiculous, um, a, a ridiculous jump. But the cool thing is, is the next year shot the same percentage on double the attempts. And the reason I brought him up is James Johnson came in one year after I'd had justice. So we were teaching James Johnson balance and movement, movement stuff. And justice would jump in with them. And justice was the teacher. And then later on, James was the teacher. And the way that, the way that I learned it, I did a lot of research to this end. So for example, if you're in a conversation with somebody and you put your hand out and say, Hey, Chris, nice to meet you. My name's Rob. Most of the time, as soon as you let your hand go, the name has just fallen to the ground and you don't remember that name. It is an exercise, a mental exercise to be able to remember. But you remember about 25% of what you're told. So this is where it's got to be really important of how can we make it more participatory for a student or player to be taking in what they're told from you. Yes, repetition helps, but at some point you have to have connectivity. You remember about 70% of what you discover. When you think about how many times coaches have sat across from each other at a dinner table and you're drawing up a play on a napkin, and then the napkin gets thrown away and you, do, you just discovered this really great action, the napkin gets thrown away. And like, what the hell was that that we, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. But you remember over 95% of what you teach because your level of expertise and demand for that information is multiplied exponentially because people are going to ask you questions in different directions that you may not have thought of. So that's where I think getting people involved, you know, I, I used to do it with players a lot where I would have them come out and say, okay, you're going to coach this play. Okay. You have to call out the action, put everybody in the action and no one can play the position that they normally play. <laughs> so you can imagine how that starts. It's just a, you know, it's a fire drill out there, but it really gets entertaining and, and you watch people grow really, really quickly because, because it's fun, it's a challenge, and you know that the progress is being made, which is fun. I love this conversation so much. I can't thank you enough for sharing the game. I mean, as I said at the beginning, not just shooting, but, uh, you know, a whole philosophy and approach to coaching and teaching that uh, I believe has as big an impact as just what you're teaching as well. So, Rob, thank you so much for sharing the game.
I really appreciate it, Chris. And and I'm really glad we got to reconnect. It's been a, it's been a long time to be quote face to face, but I look forward to uh, next conversations as well. Thanks for having me, and uh, appreciate the time from you too. Thank you for listening to the Basketball Podcast. Learn more from some of the best coaches in the world at immersionvideos.com. At immersionvideos.com, our unwavering commitment to you is to offer the tools necessary for you to be an outstanding coach who values learning and seeks to evolve. If you're a better coach now than you were yesterday, we've done our job, and so have you. The goal is to focus on authentic sharing of resources you can use to help your players and teams improve. Drills, tactics, techniques, philosophies, practice design, and so much more will be shared from numerous coaches, including Nate Oates, Doug Novak, Aaron Fern, Dave Smart, and so many more to come. Go to ImmersionVideos.com now to check out all the products and follow at ImmersionVideos on Twitter to keep up to date. Thanks for listening. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and to give the Basketball Podcast and this week's guest a shout out on social media to show your support for us sharing the game. And to stay up to date on all things Basketball Immersion, subscribe to our newsletter at basketballimmersion.com newsletter.